Hello and welcome to the Miraculous Being series. I'm your host and self-awareness coach and this is yet another episode where we discover, learn and implement lessons from others' life journeys. Others who I believe epitomize miraculous in its truest spirit, who live life to the fullest, who worked hard on themselves to be where they are today and are passionate in what they do. Today's speaker is Marcia Reynolds. Dr. Marcia Reynolds is the president of Co-Visioning LLC and has always been fascinated by the brain, especially what triggers feelings of connection, commitment, and possibility. Through speaking, training, coaching, she helps leaders and coaches hold powerful and effective conversations that change people's minds, hearts, and behaviors. She's recognized by Global Gurus as the number five coach in the world and has trained and coached leaders in 41 countries. She's presented at the Harvard Kennedy School and Cornell University, as well as several prestigious universities in Europe and Asia. She is the author of several books, including her latest, Breakthrough Coaching and Wonder Woman on how high-achieving women find contentment and direction. I've been a big fan of Marcia ever since I got into the coaching space. And I'm so excited for today's conversation because I know knowing Marcia that it's going to be packed with insights. So without any further delay, let's dive in. Hello, Marcia. Welcome to the show. It's such an honor and a privilege to host you in the Miraculous Being show. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Oh, thank you for asking. Thank you. So, Marsha, before we get started, uh, would you share your self-transformation journey, maybe highlighting certain pivotal moments in your journey that shifted things for you to where you are today? Um, well, actually, the launch for me came when I was, you know, just turning 20. <laughs> and I was in a very dark place in my life. Um, and I and and was told that I would never amount to anything, and I was believing it, and um, way going down a dark hole. And um, it was a woman one day, she got on my face and said, you have no idea who you are. She says, you are so strong and smart, and you care about people, and you have gifts and privilege, that you have a responsibility to use that. So it wasn't just like, Um, you're good, go do it. But the fact that I have a responsibility to use what I've been given as I walk on this planet, that she saved my life. She gave me a second chance and uh, starting a sense of who I was. I mean, it didn't come instantly, but but that she gave me that. And I kept saying, this is who I am. And, and to claim that. And when I work with women, especially, it's like, you have to claim you're smart, you're strong, you're funny, you're determined, you know, you're generous, you're caring, those things, not what you do, but who you are. So I went out wanting to do that, but I didn't know how. Um, So, you know, I got degrees and uh, uh, I ended up Uh, in a training department, actually for a hospital, um, before I went into tech companies. And, uh, you know, I I recognized that I could help people communicate with each other, to honor each other, to that they would work better if they understood. So trying to figure out how to do that, you know, I went and I got a second master's degree in uh, instructional design because I wanted to to do good training and um, and work with people. So I went from healthcare and then into high tech uh, in training departments and always trying to learn. Um, 
you know, what does it take for us to to connect and uh, really hear each other and do our best work together? And how can I design my training to do that? And and I people like my classes, you know, but then they'd go out and as soon as it felt awkward, they'd go back to old behavior. It was the day of my, I resigned from my last job that somebody sent me this article on coaching and I said, well, this sounds interesting. And one of the things that has helped me to be success is I've always said, this sounds interesting, let me try it. I didn't go into the all the excuses why I shouldn't, you know. Even the jobs I took, it's like, I don't know what they do, but I can learn. You know, that I took the risk to say, I don't know, but I can learn. Um, because I didn't know anything about technical from healthcare, but I learned. Um, and so I watched uh, a coaching demo and I went, something's different here. So I signed up for a coaching school right away and started learning like how to be with people, not just the skills. And it inspired me to get my doctorate in trying to understand what happens in the brain different when we coach than when we teach or train. So I can start uh, sharing that information with coaches, which has led to my my books. But my first published book, um, after, you know, I self-published Outsmart Your Brain, but my first published book was based on my doctoral research about the challenges smart, strong women face in the workplace because I was facing them. And that book, Wonder Woman, um, made me help me to realize my dream of being a writer. And then I went on and, and Breakthrough Coaching is actually my fifth book, my fourth published book with a publisher. And because I, I'm a writer as well. You know, I, I'm a translator. I, I research and I translate. And my intention is always to help others, not just me help you to see your powers, to claim them and grow, but to help other people, coaches around the world to be able to do this um, for the people they work with. Because if, you know, as we said, if we all <laughs> were to use coaching approaches in our conversation and to honor each other for who we are, wouldn't that transform the world? So that's my journey. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And you definitely transform my world. I can assure you that much. And I'm sure many listeners who are probably listening into this conversation later uh, but I love that, right? That responsibility towards yourself and how that was a pivotal moment for mm. you. And also the second one where you said, this is, sounds interesting. Let me try it. Yeah. A lot of times uh, we are so afraid uh, to try something new. Right. And as high achievers, I feel that that is so, so much more common, right? In terms of wanting oh, to feel absolutely. safe and comfort. Uh, high achievers are sometimes the worst risk takers because they're so used to succeeding yeah. that if there's a possibility I may not be able to do this well, I'm not even going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not even know? sign up for it. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of times high achievers will leave companies other than to risk failure. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I give you something that you're not sure you can do it, you'll you'll get online and start looking for someplace else to work. You know, and so um, it's really interesting. The, the um, you know, people that are used to failing are better at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's 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 really an important uh, thing. I mean, and you know what? The one of the most um, powerful questions in coaching is to say to someone, so if you were to do this, 
what what are what's the worst that could happen how mm. likely will that happen what else could happen you know Love because that. when we get afraid we don't sort mm -hmm. we just look and believe in the worst case scenario yeah. you know because it, it it the brain says i need to protect you and so just having someone outside of us say so what else could happen and if that were to happen that worst case like if you were to get fired what would you then do when I ask that, people say, oh, well, I'd go get another job. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was that simple. Oh, right. Yeah, it is that simple. <laughs> right, right. And an interesting thing that you said was that when someone outside of yourself points yeah. that out to you, right? And yeah. I think I've been in that space myself personally, and I talk to a lot of higher achievers in that same space who say that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I can help myself. I don't need any help because there is a high level of self-sufficiency uh, yeah. from previous successes. And there's always a belief, belief that I don't need somebody else to support me in that journey. What are your thoughts yeah. to yeah. that? Well, you know, it, it comes back to that. If I say I need help, then something's wrong with me. I'm not the, uh, the perfect person I think I, you know, I need to present myself as. So um, it's not just they've had successes before, but they're, they're, they, they're afraid of what how people will judge them if they ask for help. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, more the trend for the last 20 years, and even it's accelerating now, of decisions being made in teams, you know, and um, together is that uh, we do need each other to come to the best solution. You know, you will only have so much, but when we're together, you know, mm -hmm. so... Um, uh, I was coaching this gentleman who wanted to be promoted to be a leader and his boss said, but other people need to see you as a leader. And he was on this team. It was, you know, of all the leaders in the organization. And he was the expert in his field, his knowledge in our state um, and had to do with moving water in a desert, which is important. Um but he would go into these meetings where everyone was supposed to share ideas and build on their ideas and come up with new solutions. And he'd always interrupt and tell them what they should think. And what what happened was they would just shut down, you know? And so I asked him, I said, uh, these people need to see you as a leader. How do you think they see you now? He says, well, I know everything. I said, but is knowing everything make you a leader or just an expert? He says, well, I'm an expert. I said, well, are you willing in these moments where people are supposed to share ideas and build on them, are you willing to give up being the expert in order to be the leader who inspires people to think a different way? And he was like, oh, oh. And it was amazing. Once he stepped into that role, like everybody then got engaged and came up with new ideas and they found some innovation that he didn't even have. So it's really important to know that the collective, the collective is important. And um, those of us like you, like me, that come from countries where the culture is, uh, I must do it myself to be independent. I'm a smart person, don't question me. The idea that I could go into a meeting and say, I don't know, what do you think? It's scary. But how powerful is that to look at you and say, 
You know, I really don't know. What do you think? What have you been thinking? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Because then you're inspired, just like, oh, she wants to know what I think. And that's so powerful. So there has to be a shift into, I don't know, what do you think? Instead of, I know it all. You know, the head of, the CEO of, of Microsoft once said, don't be a know-it-all, be a learn-it-all. Can we shift to that? Yeah. <laughs> So powerful. Yeah. I think uh, I did read somewhere that I don't know is such a powerful word. And yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> it shouldn't be scary. Yeah. But I have so many leaders say, but if I don't know everything, will people judge me as weak? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, well, okay, what led to that belief? Mm -hmm. And it, it's more of a fear that of how I will be judged. Well, well, so how do you know if you said to someone, I don't, I'm not sure, what do you think, that they would judge you as weak? Have you ever had anyone say that to you? And they're like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> so, right, it's just the fear of being judged as for not knowing that stops us from connecting. Yeah. I feel like, again, saying that, let me learn here as well, right? Let's try it out and learn. And asking that question could also be just that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, And we learn oh. together through conversation. There's a lot of research that shows that people learn more through dialogue um, than than trying to think things through on their own. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Really powerful. And one of these things that you were sharing in the example of the client you were mentioning was this question of who are they being in a particular situation, right? And a right. lot of that work, a lot of your work I know revolves around, you know, discovering that identity, of who we are being in different contexts. And in Being Miraculous also, we talk a lot about self-awareness yeah. and really recognizing, uh, yeah. you know, our strengths and our weaknesses in yeah. different situations in different contexts. So just right. curious, how do you see that self-awareness impacts, uh, you know, women leaders, high achievers, and oh. how can they cultivate that in today's fast-paced yeah. world? Well, even in the past three, four years, I've recognized more and more and more um, that, you know, when coaching is identity-based, who am I in this situation? And who would I be in, in the ideal situation? That's more powerful than, than what are you doing? What's the impact you're making? You know, like I had a client, uh, I, I, I work, I do a women's leadership workshop with uh, Chinese women every December. It's hundreds of women come to my workshop. Mm -hmm. It's on Zoom now, hopefully back live <laughs> in the future. But um, so I coach a lot of um, female leaders in China. And there was this one woman who was working for a German-based company. And all the leaders in the room were American and German men, except mm -hmm. for her. <laughs> and she was new to the group, you know, but she uh, represented the Chinese market. And um, she says, well, I'm just so afraid to share my ideas to speak up. I said, so who are you being in that moment that you're afraid to share your ideas? And she said, well, I'm just a, 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 a Chinese girl. Why would they listen to me? I said, mm -hmm. I want you to hear that. You're just, just a Chinese girl. So why do you think they asked you to be at this table? Well, I know more about the Chinese market than anyone. Oh, they asked you because of your expertise, mm -hmm. your experience. So the Chinese girl has all these experience and expertise. Who else could you be? 
Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I can be the expert. See, here's where the expert would be good. <laughs> I'm not the the new person in the room who doesn't know anything and why would they listen to me? But I'm the person who has a, a, a an area of knowledge that they don't have, you know? And I said, well, so do you think they want you to share that? And she said, well, yes, absolutely, because they don't have it. I said, okay. So in the scenario, what does it look like of you being someone who, who's a contributor to the mm -hmm. conversation? Yeah. And she said, oh, oh, and she described herself as a contributor, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and uh, the next meeting, she says, it was so great. I, I, I started by saying, you know, I, I have a perspective on this I'd like to share. So she asked permission even, but loudly. So she was heard mm -hmm. and they're like, please, <laughs> you know, and she said it was so amazing when they said, please share <laughs> that they've been wanting me to share all along. Mm -hmm. So who, how are you defining yourself today? That's keeping you from achieving what you want. Then you define the scenario. What does it look like that you want to create to have? And who are you being in that picture? That's the most powerful coaching I have found instead of look for looking at what are you doing, but who are you being? And even as a coach, when I go into the conversation, am I being a coach? You know, and how many coaches say, but do I add value by just coaching, summarizing and asking questions? You know, and I'm like, well, um, that's interesting that you're afraid that if you don't have answers, that you won't be valuable, but you're dealing with smart people. Can you help them think? That's the value. And when they have that breakthrough moment, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't see it that way. Yeah. Isn't that the greatest value you can give? You know, so who am I being in this moment defines how I act, you know, and it will be sustainable in the process. So I think identity-based coaching is the most powerful coaching we can do. Right, right. And something very interesting that you shared, right, about wanting to provide value. I think that's not just something related to coaches. I see that with a lot of women leaders I work with as mm -hmm. well. And a lot of people in this community who feel like they need to go above and beyond yeah. uh, to demonstrate that value, right? Whether they are as a mother, as a wife, uh, right. you know, as a team member or a leader, mm -hmm. there's the constant pressure that they feel. And maybe I'm generalizing a bit, but I usually see this more in women uh, than in men, wherein the yeah. need to provide value is there. And what would yeah. you say to women who are probably still experiencing some level of that, that they need to stretch themselves thin to provide that value? Right. Well, I always say, so, you know, what has happened in your past and what have you observed that led you to this belief? You know, because usually it's 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 nothing and it's just a fear, you know, that I'm not good enough. You know, I have to keep doing more. I'm not good enough. You know, so I might even say, so what's enough right now in this situation? What are the expectations of you, the real expectations um, mm -hmm. that you have? Are they expecting you to know everything right away? Or do they realize that you're growing into this? And if you said something wrong, what would happen? You know, so um, it's true that um, 
you know, it's actually women and minorities, you know, mm-hmm. that aren't, um, that uh, maybe they may see us as not knowing it, uh, enough or being enough. But um, uh, the idea that I have to do more, you, you know, here's the crazy thing. In my first tech job, I did that. And I would, and I was in doing technical videos. And mm-hmm. I would stay till one, two in the morning to get this done and get it done early, you know. And then the next morning I would come back to work and I'd look at it and it was awful because I didn't have full use of my brain. So when we're always having to do more and more and more, we're exhausting our brain and we're not doing our best work. You know, um, there's a book called Sacred Breast mm-hmm. where she, it's by a doctor and she said there's se- seven types of rest yeah. that if we don't um, allow ourselves to do this, we're not uh, reviving our brain to do our best work. So if you're wanting to do your best work, it's not overwork. It's mm-hmm. taking care of yourself so you have the quality of the work you do in the time you give it. And then go take care of yourself, you know, so your brain is working at its highest level, not depleted. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, right? So it's not really about overworking, but about really doing our best work and doing what it takes to take care of ourselves to do our best work. To do our best work, right. I love that distinction. It's not about overworking. It's about doing our best work. And what does it take? for us to do our best work is you have to have your brain working at its best, which means (laughs) you have to rest, you have to laugh, you have to love, you know, bring the good emotions into your brain, which makes your brain work more efficiently. Um, Absolutely. When you're working too hard, then it's, it's draining and it doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some level, right? I think when we get into this corporate world, and you know, we have these identities that are bigger than ourselves, and these roles and designations, we start to take things so seriously. Uh, I remember when I had my colleagues come to my wedding. Uh, they said, you know, we didn't know you could smile, and oh, uh, <laughs> isn't that <I> was, sad? <laughs> and it was a moment of aha for me. I was like, do I not smile at my workspace? Yeah. Uh, but that's so common that we do tend to yeah. take ourselves so seriously. Yeah, yeah. You know, let me share one other little story once. Um, I was uh, in my last company. We were really changing the whole culture. I was in charge of the cultural change. They were changing all the technical product processes and all of that. It was semiconductor. And I was the, um, you know, the only woman in the room, too, you know, and um I was very passionate about what we needed to do to support people to to communicate better and to honor each other to make this change, you know, and I was like, just rattling it all off, you know, this is what we need to do. And this is so important. And um, uh, afterwards, one of the VPs came to me and said, I think I want to support you, but I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> you know, and so then I went and I talked to um my my boss about it and he said oh well that's so interesting um do you think that instead of trying to um force people to do things the way you think they should be done can you inspire them to Mm -hmm. see what you see and i realized that i was talking about how things need to be done not the vision of what's possible 
and come on this journey with me together. Let's talk about it, you know? And so that whole idea that I had to know the answers and force people to see things, it just didn't work. Yeah. It just didn't work. And so I had to like bring them together and quit thinking that I, as the woman, you know, had to force them into doing things. No, I didn't have to do that. <laughs> Such a powerful uh, shift, yeah. right? Being the inspirer. Yeah, right. There's the identity. Yes. Could I be the storyteller, the inspirer? Absolutely, I could. You know, I did it with the people who worked for me. Yeah. But not for the people above me. So, yeah. yeah interesting. It is. It is. And I think in the first book that you have, I've just started reading it, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, where That's you talk right. About, yes. You talk about how women suffer from the burden of greatness. Yeah. I found yeah. that very curious uh, in terms of the phrasing. And you said that, you know, we are uh, most susceptible to discontentment and, uh, you know, your journey, uh, the entire book is about the journey towards contentment. So I'm curious right. if there are women leaders listening in and are still suffering from that burden of greatness. Uh, how yeah. can they find their way to contentment? Well, you know, actually what I found in my, this was based on my doctoral research. So I interviewed a hundred women and, uh, or surveyed and then interviewed 10. And and I found that, um, you know, it wasn't that they were lacking happiness, they were lacking contentment. When enough is enough, it's never enough. They would complete a project and then beyond to the next, there must be something else I could do. Because mm -hmm. there was a shift and it was globally just at different times. It used to be we'd tell girls, um, oh, you can only be a teacher or a, a you know, a nurse, <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden, you know, the 60s started to change this in the 1960s, where when mothers started to tell their daughters, um, oh, you could do anything in many mm -hmm. countries. I mean, there's still countries that they're repressed, but, you know, you can do anything, go out and be great. So I got the message, I have to be great. I have mm -hmm. to be great. I don't know what, what, <laughs> <laughs> but I have you to know, be great. and so I finish a project and I'm like, well, I finished it. So there must be something else I could do. There must be something else. I'm not, I haven't explored my full potential, you know? And so it was on to the next without even acknowledging what I had accomplished, you know? So there was never this, oh, look what I've done. <sighs> Take a breath. And to acknowledge the great things that I'm doing now, you know? And, and yet I found just the recognition of that, that what I wanted the women to feel was contentment in my discontent. <laughs> yeah. To recognize I, I have a hard time with feeling it's good enough, but to stop and recognize what I've done and know that I have a hard time, give mm -hmm. myself that moment and then say, so what else can I do? Not what do I need to do? You know, and so it, there, it, it, it's a really an evolution of acceptance that um, uh, there will never be to the end, the end of the journey of it's enough. That's mm. the whole thing. We'll always feel like there's something more until we get old and tired of feeling that way. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm nearing that stage where it's like, oh, I'm done writing books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's so much more. <laughs> Yeah, but to acknowledge ourselves, you know, for for who we are and what we have done, just take that moment. Allow our brains to know that, mm -hmm. you know, 
before we move on to the next, just a moment. And I think women need to support each other that way. So, you know, I belong to a woman's group who are all making transitions from corporate to uh, our own businesses. And every time we met, we'd start with, you know, what has really been great that has happened that, that you've achieved to acknowledge each other for that. And then to ask each other one thing for help, to have the courage to ask for help. And that support, that community of support um, that we provided for each other was so fabulous. So women need to do this more. Find it. It may be in your company or it could be outside of your company. You know, I had a, a woman I was coaching that said, I need to know some other leaders in this city, not in my company. Because mm -hmm. she was a bank president and there was no, uh, you know, not that many women in her company. And, mm -hmm. and so I asked my hairdresser and she goes, Oh my, I know other women that have reached a level that they would love to have other women outside of the company to talk mm -hmm. to. And these women ended up being the best of friends and traveling together and supporting each other. So we need to find our own community of support and not one where we're sitting around complaining, but supporting each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's so powerful, recognizing how far we've come and in a way yeah. finding content in that discontentment, right? Right. I think because I mean, the benchmark now, is so high. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even now when people say, you know, like the book before this, Coach of the Person has in seven languages has sold tens of thousands around the world, you know, and it's like, I'm like, but this next one, you know, only has eight reviews on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot give myself the credit for the last one, you know, yeah. but I can stop and say it to you and laugh at myself. That's the best <laughs> I yeah, can do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think one of the conversations I was having with a coach a couple of weeks ago, and she said, what would you like to acknowledge for your journey? And I said, nothing like, you know, there's just nothing about <laughs> you. <laughs> and Look obviously we went to the entire session discovering what I've achieved, but that's, that's the thing, right? If we don't actually mm -hmm. pause and recognize, yeah. I think it was in one of your podcasts where I heard where you said that when we sleep and wake up, we lose 80%. Of what, yeah, of what you yeah learn during of, the day yeah, yeah your brain throws it out yeah and it's actually <laughs> but you true. know at the end of the day before you go to sleep you need to to um stop and say what did i do well today what where did i grow today so your brain supports you in your growth if you only focus at the end of the day saying i should have done this or this didn't do well then the brain's going to protect you and mm -hmm. it's not going to allow you to take the risk again um, where you might uh, feel badly. So yes. you've got to stop at the end of the day for, your, you know, evidence of success. Give your brain evidence of success and sleep on that. Love and that, that will then your brain will say, so I guess it's OK you take this risk. You mm -hmm. know, um, you didn't you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> you're here, you know, and you're succeeding. So end your day that way. Yeah. Lovely. So go mm -hmm. to bed with evidences of success. Yes. <laughs> Powerful. And Marsha, before we go into uh, the rapid fire, I just have one last question for you. And I think this is something I often see in a lot of uh, my community members and in me as well, that if we have like a certain strength in us, uh, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe it is our ability to drive ourselves, be self-motivated, keep, you know, keep going on and on and on. Uh, mm -hmm. We somewhere forget that turn off button as well, 
right? So if mm-hmm. if self drive or motivation is our strength, uh, we mm-hmm. keep going on and on, and you know, even if we have nothing to do, we are restless, and mm-hmm. we don't want to let go of that strength because the strength has brought us so far. But at the same time, the same strength is becoming a source of burnout mm-hmm. and exhaustion. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. would you say to folks who are probably experiencing that? You know, um, that whole thing of, well, first off, you know, one of the things that women have, it's not just the burden of greatness, but it's the burden of perfection. Mm. You know, I must be perfect. And like, you know, I've said many times to coaches um, in a conversation, um, many of us think we have to know everything. And, uh, you know, my saying is they they really just want you to be present. They don't need you to be perfect. You can say something wrong and they'll say, oh, no, I don't see it that way. And then you just change. So, um, you know, the the ability just to be present and open to you and not knowing all the answers is, is so much better. So how can I develop my presence? You know, with leaders, it's the emotional tone you bring into the conversation more than the knowledge you have that makes the difference you know so i think that um you know we talked about um rest and 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 revitalizing ourselves so we can do our best work you know but to say how can i work on my presence not just my skills and knowledge but my presence what's that going to take for me to to show up as um I, you know, I, I, I care about you. I'm curious. Um, I, I, I believe in you. You know, every time I ask leaders, so think of someone in your life that made a difference for you. What did they do differently that made mm-hmm. this difference? And it's most often not what they said, but they believed in me. Even if they said, you know, you're so, you know what, you're just not doing your, you know, they said it meanly. They believed that I could do more, the belief in you. So even starting this, the woman who said to me, you have no idea who you are. She believed in me. We need people to believe in us, you know? So my belief in you is far more powerful than, than the uh, advice I can give you, mm-hmm. you know? So, so really look at how can I be more develop my leadership presence mm-hmm. that I am here for you I want to know what you want in your life you know in my last job I was given I had corporate training and then they assigned the factory trainers to me too and I don't even know what they did in there you know and, it, and my boss said it's just three trainers it's no-brainer I'm like when is leading anyone a no-brainer so each one came into my office and I said what do you want for your career how can I help you and they were so taken aback by that, you know, mm-hmm. and the first one was like kind of embarrassed. She said, I want to be a leader someday. I said, great. So how, what do you need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she mm-hmm. said, I don't know. I said, well, go out in the factory and ask the people who've been promoted to supervisor what they did. Come back mm-hmm. with the list and we'll make a plan. Mm-hmm. The second woman said, oh, I want to change the computer system. I hate what we have. And they've got classes for the new computer system. I said, great, bring your schedule in the class schedule. We'll figure it out. And the third woman, I asked her, so, you know, what do you want for yourself? How can I help? And she looked down at the floor and looked up at the sky and a tear came down her face. She says, I've worked here 13 years and nobody has ever asked me that. She was my my most consistent, reliable employee, but very quiet but did her work and she wasn't being seen. 
she just wanted to be seen. She didn't want to be a supervisor. She didn't want to learn a computer system. She just wanted to be seen and acknowledged. So don't think you know what people want. Ask them and let them know, I am here for you. That's mm -hmm. the most important thing a leader can do. Much more important than knowing everything. <laughs> Powerful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And I know that we can keep going on and on, but in the interest yeah. of time, I'd love to go into our rapid fire round. Okay. Are you ready mm -hmm. for it? I'm ready. <laughs> Lovely. All right. So morning person or night owl? Definitely morning. It's what? It's only seven o'clock now. And I'm, this is my second podcast of the day. <laughs> yeah, definitely morning. <laughs> One word to describe the pandemic for you. Oh, the pandemic. Um, I would say transformation, life-changing. Um, at first, I was angry and hated it and then had to move into this is the reality. How are you going to deal with it? So there was uh, it was a huge transition of of how work gets done and how can I like it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I can imagine quite a shift. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Are there any non-negotiables that you have in your daily routine? Absolutely. You know, I think I said to you, um, uh, oh, no, the person I, this morning, he was supposed to be after the podcast, and he asked if I, we could go early. And I said, absolutely, because it allows me to go exercise. I exercise every, every, every day, even if it's just walking and yoga or climbing the high mountain outside my window. I do something every day that is a non-negotiable and um, the older I get, the more important that is. So uh, uh, my exercise routine is, is, is I think the most criti critical piece. I could do better with my food, <laughs> you know, and I eat pretty cleanly though too. Um, so I think, you know, my physical health um, is, is, is really critical and, and I shut down in the evening. And, um, you know, one thing I learned, my first mass, no, my first degree was um, in mass communications and broadcasting. And I had a TV guy say, you know, um, it's good to end your day with stupid TV. <laughs> he says, because like you need to give your brain a chance to process what went on. So if you're watching stupid TV or something that makes you laugh, do that before you go to bed, not something that scared you or you had to think about. And I'm like, there's value in stupid TV. So I end my day with stupid TV. <laughs> so physical movement and stupid TV. And All stupid right. TV. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And I always ask this to my guests, uh, what does being your best version look like? Um, you know, that whole sense of being caring and and what's difficult for me being very kind <laughs> when i get really busy it's like get out of my way <laughs> you know <laughs> to be patient to be caring to be kind um again it's the energy i bring you know and the connection and um and again often you know with us high achievers you know we're not thinking about that you know we're about thinking about again get out of my way i have work to do and you know what how next? can you what think next? that way and you know, <laughs> it's crazy and it's crazy how much i still do that you know and the pandemic really shifted me into that i cuz i was angry the first year because it took away all my traveling my connection and and 
I had to really work on, uh, you know, I even wrote a blog post for psychology today that said, I miss me. I missed mm -hmm. myself, you know, that mm -hmm. connection and caring about people that I get live. It was very difficult for me not seeing people and doing that. So really, you know, bringing my best self is um, how I can be with you as best I can, as mm -hmm. often as I can in a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so powerful, full presence. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And yeah. if you were to look back and think of one thing you wish your younger self knew, what would that be? Um, you know, that... Uh, I think two things. The one, you know, I don't acknowledge myself enough. <laughs> you know, you need to do that. Um, but the who I am um, is so much more important than what I do. To really mm. embody that. You know, even though I wrote about that more than 20 years ago in Wonder Woman, to fully embody that I am a strong, smart, courageous, funny, uh, caring woman, to embody that not, you know, I do great things that, you know, every day to claim that who I am and who, how I want to show up. I wish I knew that. But, you know, one thing I read recently that anytime you say, I wish I would have done that different or I wish I knew that means you're growing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you cringe yeah. thinking about how I was in the past, it's like, yay, that means you're different today. So <laughs> honor yourself for the growth you are today instead yeah. of beating yourself up for the past. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. So there was this writing coach that I was working with who was saying that, you know, if you're cringing at your writing, he's like, pat yourself at the back. Your judgment is better than your ability. <laughs> like your ability will catch up. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I love how we can just change the perspective and, you know, the entire feeling towards it shifts completely. We're suddenly powerful. Yeah. It's no longer regret and helplessness, but yeah. empowering and uplifting saying, okay, yeah. we've got this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And help each other to do that. Yeah. 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 Lovely. Mm -hmm. And one message for listeners you have uh, who are probably on their self-transformation journeys just beginning yeah. or somewhere in the middle, what would you yeah. say to them? You know, to give yourself the space to always be growing, you know, mastery. I, I used to say the path to mastery. And now I say the path of mastery mm -hmm. because we're always on the path. There's no destination. You know, I had to listen to 32 coaching demos that I did um, in creating the uh, the foundational breakthrough coaching online program, the self-study one. Yeah. And I, I, even watching myself coach three years ago, mm -hmm. you know, and I started almost 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's like, who was that person? That was awful <laughs> <laughs> that I'm getting better all the time, you mm -hmm. know? And so it's the getting better, not getting to perfection, getting to best. There's no best. We're always learning. We're always growing. And isn't that fun yeah. to make that fun? So um, remember that. Remember yeah. that. It's a path of mastery that we yeah. can be on together. You yeah. know, so I'm um, launching a, a live intensive with coaching.com at the end of, of March. Okay. And um, it's only 50 people because it's live and we're going to have dialogue and exercises and um, we're going to deep dive into mastery together. 
because then I get to keep learning too. And yes. so I'm so excited about that program that's coming up. Yeah, I can imagine. I think I heard you share once that one of your values is learning, right? Uh, Absolutely. Number one. Yeah. yeah lovely. Amazing. Yeah. And if learning have... and sharing. I like to then share what I learn. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And being a benefactor of your sharing, I can vouch for that utility mm -hmm. of it <laughs> and the value it creates. Lovely. Yeah. And one last, if you had to share one takeaway uh, for listeners from this podcast, what would that be? You know, I love that you helped me to stop and take a moment and look at my journey. You know, because again, we rarely do that. You know, who was I at 20 years old? You know, that led to who I am today at 68. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a long journey. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a journey of transformation, not change. Change is immediate. Transformation takes time. And that you've allowed me to stop for a moment and say, look at my journey. Look mm -hmm. at, you know, how I've changed and grown and and has led me to the person I am today. So I thank you for that. And thank that we you. can do that for each other is so powerful. Yeah, mm -hmm. love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marsha, for your presence, for the many insights that you share so effortlessly and for everything that you do in this space. Thank you so much. Thank you.